0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A careless justification that we hold to concerning faith is just being settled with little faith. We just read a moment ago, Jesus Christ uh, tells the Apostle Paul, "O thou of little faith, wherefore this thou doubt? And, uh, you know, uh, as we think about uh, uh, these apostles, now I'm sorry, not the Apostle Paul, the disciples, they had a lot of doubt here as we think about Matthew chapter 14. And not only doubt, they had little faith. And they had faith that wasn't sufficient enough to see the miracle at hand. You know, we're satisfied with little faith that would dismiss our guilt. And we are satisfied with little faith that would barely get by. And we are satisfied with little faith that will bring less accountability. And maybe even little faith that will bring little result. And even little faith that will bring little portion of fruit of love, of joy, of peace, of long-suffering, of gentleness, and of goodness. And as we talked about, many of those fruits for the last several weeks, I think some people have ruled out, Hey, some of those fruits, I don't believe that I could have. You know, some of the fruits, I don't think I could truly believe to improve upon or even try to produce in my daily life, and they have ruled out great faith in their lives because of doubt and also because of little faith. And, uh, you know, many have said, I believe, but many can only recite the phrase, I believe. And in many cases, it's not, it's, it's really nothing more than a phrase. It's not an experience of power, but it is an expression of a phrase. And that's all it is. And many Christians say, I believe. I believe in the Lord Jesus. I believe in the Bible. And I believe in the truth. And I believe in grace. And I believe in love. But if you were to really dig deep in the hearts of a Christian or maybe even uh, uh, looking at their regular day life, I think we could sometimes conclude that it's just a phrase not an experience of power in their lives. And as we think about our salvation this morning, God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And his salvation is based upon power through faith. And I think about Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, it says here, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, God's power, to us, word who believe according to the working of His mighty power. You see, when I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, when I said I believe in You, Lord, when I, uh, uh, around uh, 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 fourteen years ago, uh, uh, when that happened in my life, I, I, I realized that hey, my uh, uh, duty and my uh, 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 obedience to the Lord is to believe that Jesus Christ has a power to save my soul. It's not my power that saved me. I believed in the Lord Jesus to cleanse all my sins away, and to deliver me from the lake of fire, and also uh, put my name in the book of life, and uh, and I had I had faith in knowing that His power was able to save my soul. Second Thessalonians chapter one verse eleven, the Bible says, "Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. And uh, I think about 1 Corinthians 2.5 as well, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. In John 1:12 it says, But as many have received them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So it is his power that has made us to be his sons, his daughters, to be part of his family. It was in my working. It was in your working. It was a working a, a, of the omnipotent one. And Jesus Christ died on that cross, and he gave his blood and that uh, he sacrificed his life so that we could have life in him because we ourselves are dead without the Lord Jesus. And we needed his life to be entered into our life, and by faith we trusted him, and his power saved our soul. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 as well, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. You know, for the last 14 years of my life, I was not clinging or hanging onto my faith. No. As soon as I believed in the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ saved me by his power, and still now he's keeping me by his power. That's what the Bible says here. It's nothing that we have done. And it's only Jesus Christ. We believe in Christ as our Savior, not just for a phrase like, easy believism that's going around these days and many say I believe in Jesus but really deep down in their heart they have other belief and other means of going to heaven other means of cleansing their sins or maybe finding justification but as Christians today if you're a born again believer you know it's not just a phrase that you experienced in your life but it was a power of God it was a power of God and something changed in your life everything looked different, everything looked different after you got saved and everything is now even different and is improving better and also you're becoming more like Jesus. And there might be some of you this morning saying, I believe in Jesus but it's nothing more than a traditional phrase. And some people always say too, I have always believed in Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, no, you have and no one is born a Christian. Okay? You're not born into a religion. You're born as a sinner. And as a sinner, you need to meet the Savior, Jesus Christ. Now I think about what Apostle Paul said. He said, I'm the Hebrew of the Hebrews and circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a tribe of Benjamin. And he was born into religion, wasn't he? That's what he was saying. This is why... Uh, this is my credential. This is how I'm born, and, and this, is, this was my will uh, uh, in my life. But he says, I found the Lord Jesus. I met him at the Damascus Road. See, Apostle Paul has never always known God. No. He truly met the Lord at the Damascus Road. And what condition? And well, in the condition he was in, to be honest with you, it was very vile. He was a very simple man. Yes, he was a religious man. He was a uh, a Pharisee. He knew the law. He knew the scripture. But you know, the Bible says that he was a blasphemer. He was injurious. I mean, you can get around them uh, uh, unless you got a bruise or you got a uh, 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 some kind of a persecution from him, and uh, especially if you're a Christian. And uh, and this man uh, uh, was a very hostile man. And uh, he was very zealous in the thing uh, 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 that uh, his flesh wanted to do to persecute the church of God. And he was in the worst condition. But Jesus Christ met him at the Damascus Road. And he was saved. And his life was changed. He wasn't persecuting the church anymore. Now he was planting churches everywhere. He was leading people to the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened? He met the Lord Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, you have... Never in any way have been born into a relationship with the Lord Jesus. No, you're born as a sinner, and at one point in your life, you need to meet Jesus like the Apostle Paul. You need to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Have you met him? Have you truly believed uh, uh, in your heart to save your soul from the lake of fire to go to heaven? And, uh, and your justification of saying, I always believe, and, and I, was, uh, 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 I was always... Uh, 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 going to church all my life, those things will not work because Jesus Christ is not looking for your merit, your work. No, his righteousness in your life and his sacrifice in your life and your belief in knowing that it is not you, but it is through him. That's what Jesus Christ is looking for. Submission and surrender to what he did on that cross 2,000 years ago. Many people can claim that I believe in Jesus, I want to encourage you to believe in Jesus for his power, not just as a phrase, and that he will save you from the lake of fire. I like what Jesus Christ said, and he's quoting the Old Testament scripture in Matthew 15, verse 8. This people draw nigh, draw nigh unto me with their mouths, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Have you ever spoken to people, you know, and uh, their heart is not with you? You know, they, they're agreeing everything that you're saying, and, and they're kind of talking to you, talking to you, and, and they even have eye contact, but you just kind of feel, hey, this guy's not really, really having a real conversation with me. And it's not a really heart-to-heart talk, and sometimes marriage could be that way, huh? All right? And maybe I shouldn't go in that area, amen? Okay. But, uh, you know, sometimes it could be like that. And then you just talk to somebody, and it just feels like, hey, this guy's, you know, uh, saying all these good things, but does he really mean it? And you kind of question that, uh, 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 question their motive. And, 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 and to be honest with you, uh, we do that to the Lord all the time. We honor God with our lips, but our heart is truly far away from the Lord. And you might talk good things about yourself, and you might say, I believe in God, and you might say all these different things. But your concentration of the phrase when you say I believe in God is not God, but is I. I believe in God. And uh, I think the devil has truly deceived many of us. And especially those people thinking that they're truly saved when they're not. Oh, genuine faith lies in the heart and God knows whether or not if your faith is authentic. And by the way, God is the one who approves faith, not us. He's the one that approves faith. He knows what genuine faith is all about. He knows what real faith is all about. And many of you trusted Christ with your heart and relying on his power to save. Thank God for you. And it was not just a phrase, but it was a confession from the heart, relying on his power. But with that, as Christians, it's not just live this life with little faith or even with a phrase, too. Let us live with great faith, experiencing great power in our lives. And that's what Christ wanted for us in Matthew 21, verse 21. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. It shall be done. What is the Bible saying there? Hey, if you want to remove a mountain, and if you have faith in believing that I can do it, you can do it. You can see it happen. I think about a story. A small congregation in the foothills of the Great Smokies built a new sanctuary on a piece of land willed to them by a church member. Ten days before the new church was opened, the local building inspector came out, And informed the pastor of that church that the parking lot was inadequate for the size of the building. And by the way, you know, uh, that's our issue here, too. If you want to build anything in uh, in addition to our structure here at our church, the city requires a bigger parking space. And let's pray that we'll take over Sam's Club. Amen? Maybe one day we'll buy it out. I don't know. (laughs) But, you know... uh, That was the issue for this church, too. But they already already had built the building. And, uh, And the church with this undersized parking lot had used every inch of their land except for the mountain against which had been built. In order to build more parking spaces, they would have to move the mountain out of the backyard, which was impossible. At the appointed time, 24 of the congregation of 300. By the way, Little as much when God is in it, amen. 24 out of the 300, members assemble for prayer. They pray for nearly three hours, and 10 o'clock at night, the pastor said, finally, amen. And he assured everyone, we'll open next Sunday as scheduled. God has never let us down before, and I believe he will be faithful this time, too. The next morning, as he was studying in his studies, there was a knock at the pastor's door. And when he opened, he saw a rough looking construction foreman appear. And he invited him in, come on in, what do you need? And the foreman said these words Excuse me, Reverend, I'm from a nearby construction company over here in the next county. We're building a huge new shopping mall over there, and we need some dirt. Would you be willing to sell us a chunk of that mountain next to your church? And we'll haul it away. You don't even have to do anything. We'll take that portion of that mountain for you if you just allow us to do it. And the pastor says, sure you can. What was that? Faith that could remove mountains. The church was able to build a new parking space. Able to. Stay in that property. You see, all things are possible to him that believeth. it. How is your faith this morning? Do you have a faith that could remove mountains? Or is it just the phrase, I believe this, I believe that, I believe in God? There's no much more detail to it. And you might even pray the same way. But God is the one that approves I wonder if God sees your heart as little faith or great faith. Do you desire this fruit called faith this morning? Because I believe when the Holy Spirit of God helps us with faith, he's going to help us greatly, amen? He's not going to just help us a little bit here. He's not going to help us to just have little faith, no. He's going to help us to have great faith. Why? Because he's an omnipotent God. And a God who can do all things, not gonna just get by and say, Oh, this is the only thing I could do for you, and these are the little things I could do for you. Just have little faith. No, I don't think that's what the Holy Spirit of God wants in our lives. I believe He wants us to produce fruit with great faith. How can we desire this fruit called faith? I'd like to share with you three truthful descriptions of faith that will encourage us to get out a little faith to greater faith this morning. First of all, faith is expectation. Faith is expectation. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, That whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he hath said uh, shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And Jesus Christ was giving a a specific commitment and a specific challenge to the disciples. Have expectation when you pray and when you believe. Dr. A. C. Dixon, pastor, both Moody Memorial Church in Chicago and Spurgeon's uh, Tabernacle in, in London, speaking on the prayer. Speaking on prayer, he said, "When we rely on upon organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do." When we rely upon eloquence, we get what eloquence can do, and so on. Nor am I disposed to undervalue any of these things in their proper place. But when we rely upon prayer and faith, we get what God can do. You know, prayer and faith always works together. We just read it just a moment ago. What thing, so, what thing soever ye desire, okay, listen to this, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them. When ye pray, believe that ye may receive them. You know, faith, along with prayer, is an expectation of what God is capable of. And faith and prayer works together. Now, you could have prayer in your life, but not have faith. That could happen in your life. But I hope you have prayer and also faith together. And faith is an expectation of knowing that God is able to do what he says he will do. And it is an expectation of what he is capable of. For example, by our profession, we have expectations, don't we? Football players play what? Basketball? Hockey? No. They play what? Football. We have an expectation in knowing, all right, that football players, okay, know how to play football. Another example, all right? Uh, Gardeners, okay, they know how to examine someone's teeth? No. Do they know how to do surgery? No. They know how to what? If you're a dentist, now your profession is to examine someone's teeth. Take care of the cavities. Okay? And, 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 and by your profession, we have an expectation. As governors, okay, if, you have a, if, you, if a person is a governor, hey, that person is supposed to govern. Writers, they know how to write. Based on people's profession, we know what they're capable of. We have an expectation. Now, let's think about God's profession. What are some of his professions? Number one, he's the creator of this world. He created everything in six days. You might say that's impossible according to evolution theory and according to what the scientists come up with. Well, that's why he is God. That's why he's a creator of this world. And that's why we're finite and he is infinite. And we need to come to that conclusion. And many people don't want to be submissive to that, don't, be, don't want to be surrendered to that. Why? Because they are their own authority. Oh, don't you tell me that somebody created me. Don't you tell me that somebody has authority over me and has, has some kind of governmentship uh, over me. No, I am my own man. And they don't want to accept the fact that there is a creator. And there's an intelligent design. And, and he created the world to exist in six literal days. And, and if God could create the heaven and the earth, hey, there's nothing that's impossible for him to do in your life. He's a miracle worker. Did you know that he split the Red Sea? Some people say, oh, no, he didn't really split the Red Sea. He was uh, a shallow water. It wasn't really a sea. It wasn't really a, a gigantic ocean that he split. No, it, it was a shallow water and, and they were able to qu- go across. If that's the case, if you think the Bible that way, then hey, how did the how did the Egyptians drown? Man, they, they must have been a very terrible swimmer. If they were just drowning in their three feet or something like that. And they had some strong delusion, they didn't know what they were doing. Even horses. Lying down in three feet of water. They don't know what to do. No, God split the rest sea, God's people say. He did it. I believe it. He fed the 5,000 with only five loaves and two fishes. How did he do it? I don't know. I've, I've been trying to figure that out ever since I became a Christian. I don't know. The basket was delivered to the disciples, and the disciples gave it out to everybody else. And I don't know if the basket duplicated or the fishes and the bread duplicated. I just don't know. What the Bible says that 5,000 men got fed, and they were full, and they had 12 baskets left over. They didn't just have 12 baskets left over for the sake of, okay, we'll save this for later. No. Everybody was full. They couldn't eat anymore. He's a miracle worker. And he is eternal. He is the beginning and the last, Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. For him, everything is done. He is looking down upon us from eternity. Okay? Now, we say sometimes he's the God of 2014. He's the God of Moses, the God of Abraham. And and, and we we understand that. But he is a God of eternity, my friend. He's not bounded by time. Okay? He's not bounded by what we do here, no. He has already done everything. He's eternal. And if he's eternal, and and he is a miracle worker, and he is a a creator, and and with that perfect track record, I think we could expect great things from God. I like what missionary uh, William Carey said. He said, expect great things from God. Attend great things for God. You know, little faith says this. God can. Okay. Now that sounds good too. Yeah. That person's acknowledging, hey, God can save my marriage. God can provide for my needs. God can help me to love somebody who hates me. God can uh, uh, help my children to be raised in in his way. God can. Now that sounds great. That sounds fine. But I believe that's a description of little faith. You may be thinking, Brother Jimmy, what's the description of great faith? It's not God can, but God will. God will. That person has leaped to another higher ground. He's not just settled in saying, God can. No, he says, I know his promise. I know what he said. He's going to do it. An expectation. And with that, he attempts to do great things for God. He attempts to take care of his family in a godly manner. He attempts to be faithful to church and to hear from God's word so that he could change, uh, uh, that God could change his life. He's not saying God can't change my life. No, God will change my life. So I will be faithful to church. And, uh, uh, and that person is saying, hey, I'm going to read the Bible and I believe the Word of God can change my life. But not only that, God will change my life as I read the Word of God. You see, that person has not been, uh, he, he has moved on from just sitting and saying God can. No, he, 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 he's now walking in faith and saying God will. There's a big difference, my friend. Some of you Christians have been a, a Christian for such a long time that you are, to satisfy what God can. You're full of knowledge of what God can do. You know the Bible from cover to cover. But you need to have an active faith where you say God will. God will. You see, faith with expectation is not just sitting around and doing nothing. Faith with expectation brings forth action and an attempt in one preaching engagement, Moody the uh, Moody's trip it inquir- uh, required for him to cross the Atlantic Ocean. During the voyage, a great danger arose as a fire started below decks on the ship. There were not enough members of the crew to make a chain to pass buckets of water below, so they were joined by the passengers to fight the fire. So everybody was uh, uh, underneath the ship and trying to fight the fire. One of those traveling with Moody suggested that they would go away from the commotion and pray. Moody replied, not so, sir. We stand stand right here and pass buckets and pray hard at the same time. Moody often said, prayer or faith and work are the two hands of one person, and they should never be separated. Ladies and gentlemen, if you believe that the Bible could change your life, then read it and say, God will change my life. If you believe that church is Christ's body, then be faithful to the church of God. The family, if you believe that the family should have little heaven on earth, then live godly and Christ-like within the home. If your marriage should have God's love, if you believe that, then act upon it with deeds and affection, not with just words, not with just a phrase. Your children are God's, Then, if you believe that, then read the Bible and pray with them every single day. Your belief in God is only good and fruitful when you act upon it. And without action, there will be no full expectations or even results. I have another illustration. An old Christian Scotsman operated a little rowboat for transporting passengers. One day, a passenger noticed that a good old man had carved one oar, Okay, one oar, the word faith, and the other oar, the word works. Curiosity led him to ask meaning of these oars. The old man, being a well-balanced Christian and glad for the opportunity to testify, said, I will show you what this means. Then he dropped one of the oars and plied the other called works. And, and they just went around in circles as he just rolled the boat with one oar. And he dropped that oar and began to apply the other oar called faith. There's one of them again. And they went out in circles again. But this time, the other way around. But still in circles. After this demonstration, the old man picked up faith and works and and plying both oars together and, and, and sped swiftly over the water explaining to his inquiring passenger, you see, this is the way it is in the Christian life. Dead works without faith are useless, and faith without works is dead also Getting you nowhere, but faith and works pulling together makes for safety, progress, and blessing. You know, some of you Christians are just doing works. Okay. Some of you Christians are faithful to church, but you're not doing it by faith either. And your Christian life is not leaping to higher ground. You're just going in a circle, and circle, and in a circle, and in, a circle, in a circle. Some of you Christians are just rowing the boat with faith. You're not doing anything about it. Oh, I believe, I believe that too. Oh, a preacher said that, I believe that. But you're not doing anything about it. So you're going in circles. But you need to take faith in works. Okay, and roll that boat. And head toward one direction. And be more like Jesus. And get to the higher ground. Ladies and gentlemen, why are we wasting our time? Why are we wasting our time in circle, circling? I think about the Israelites. They circled the wilderness for 40 years. Why? They just couldn't believe that God will. I mean, they even experienced water from a rock. They experienced manna from heaven. They experienced quail flying uh, 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 from the east. And and they experienced uh, the Red Sea split. They experienced the plagues in Egypt. They experienced all that. But when they got to the border of the Canaan land, the ten spies said, no, we can't do this. I don't think God's going to do it. So God said, all right, let's go circle the wilderness for 40 years. You know, some Christians are doing that. They're circling around, circling around. And you know that you're not a better Christian than a year ago. And you know that you haven't really read this book in sincerity like you used to. I'm just simply saying today, if you truly have faith, it is an expectation that God will do something. And with that, you're going to make an attempt to see your life change. You're not going to just sit around. You're going to see what God can do and what God will do in your life. Now, with that, faith is, an, is embracement. Secondly, embracement. Hebrews 11, verse 13. This all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and was persuaded of and embraced them, and confessed that there were strangers and pilgrims on earth. This is talking about Abram and Sarah, and they both died in faith, not having received their promise. But they embraced it. You know, many times our faith only extends to a short distance in life and not a long one. And the reason is because our short distance faith is only based on visible results. Our faith begins to decline. We also stop having faith. Why? Because we don't see visible results. And here's the irony, though. Our faith in heaven through Christ is not visible in this lifetime and it extends beyond our lifetime and we have faith that heaven is real. And we agree on that. But as we live in this earth, we take little faith and we take short, distant faith, when we have a long-distant faith concerning heaven and concerning eternal life. As much as we have distant faith in knowing, even though we don't see it, we believe that we have it and we believe that we'll be there, hey, let's take that same faith, that same great faith that you had in the Lord Jesus, and why don't you have that in your temporary life here too? Have expectation, but have embracement. You might be praying about something right now, but you'll never receive it in this lifetime. Maybe you'll receive it after you're gone. Maybe your family will receive it. Maybe your sons or your daughters will receive it after you're gone. I'm, not pray- I'm just simply saying about those prayer requests that you're praying for somebody else, especially. And uh, I think about, you know, uh, George Mueller. I'm sure many of you heard the story from me that, I love his story. He, after he got saved, he started praying for his five friends to be saved. After a few years later, his one friend got saved. After t- a decade, another friend got saved. After 25 years, another friend got saved. And then so on and so on it goes. And then his fifth friend still wasn't saved. He kept on praying for him. And George Mueller died. But at his funeral, his friend received Christ as personal Savior. George Mueller never saw it under this side of heaven. But he had faith in knowing that his friend must be saved. As we think about the story of Abram, Abram and Sarah, they never saw a nation. They never saw the multitudes. They never saw this, uh, uh, the numbers of uh, uh, the Israelites uh, that would come uh, uh, from their boughs uh, 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 and, 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 and like the stars at night. No, they didn't see all that. But they believed. And they said this, we're just the strangers and pilgrims on earth. We're just simply passing by. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got to recognize the fact that when God promises something, his promise is not based on our expectation, amen? Sometimes we have that. No, his promise is based on what he expects and when he will perform, and what he will do. I've been singing. We're going to sing this song in the college camp, and I've been choosing some songs for college camp. And uh, I like the song. I used to sing it when we were a teenager in the youth group. It's called In His Time. He makes all things beautiful in his time. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're trying to limit God with our time. We're trying to do that. And we're trying to abuse God and and trying to find quick results, trying to find visible results, and you'll only have faith in God as long as you see a visible result. Well, that's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Abraham, Abraham and Sarah never saw the nation of Israel, but they embraced it. They didn't have a short distance of faith. They had a long distance of faith. Hey, even though we're gone, God's promise will endure. God's promise will be executed. God will do what he will do in his time. And many times, God would try us to learn faith in his time. Job had to learn that. Joseph had to learn that. Moses had to learn that. He thought he was supposed to deliver the people of Israel, when he was around 40 years old, that's why he killed a man. But then God says, I oh, know, we're going to wait another 40 years. Abraham had to learn. He had his son Isaac at, at the age of 100. But if the promise was, for, uh, was told to him its a couple of decades, decades ago, he had to endure for those 25 years, and, and he had some doubts, and he, he, he went a little bit uh, uh, off course. Yes, we know that from the Scripture. But I'm simply saying that Abraham had to learn faith in his time. And by the way, when we embrace faith on his time, we're not embracing the result, but we're embracing God. Hebrews 11, verse 6, the Bible says this. But without faith, it is impossible to, impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that what? He is. And that, what's the next phrase? He is a rewarder. Of them that diligently what? Seek him. It doesn't talk about results at all there. Now, I know it talks about re- rewards there, but he says re- he is a rewarder. God, in that verse, is not concentrating result. Result. Let me show you the result. No. He says, let me show you who I am. That's what that verse is saying. Must believe that he is. He is a rewarder of the diligently that seek him. You see, when we have faith, our faith is based upon what we could get. No, that's not faith. Faith is based on what he can do and what he will do in his time. And it doesn't matter how he does it. We just believe that he can and he will. And ladies and gentlemen, we need to get out of this uh, humanistic philosophy of faith. Our faith is based on us. Based on what we get and, when, and, and how we're blessed and how happy we are. And, and uh, you know, uh, how, uh, uh, how blessed we are. No. Our faith in God hopefully still endures, even though when things go wrong, even though we don't have all the money in the world, even though we can't make our car payment sometimes. Now, hopefully you don't have to endure that kind of trial, but if those things happen, hey, don't you sh- cut off your faith in God. Don't you do that. Go a little distance in knowing that God will and that God will make everything beautiful in His time. Base your faith on him, not on the result. You gotta learn that. I gotta learn that. I could be preaching every Sunday based on result all the time. No, I can't do that. You know what the results do to me if I were to do that? Results, points, or maybe lifts up myself. I am here preaching every Sunday because of Jesus Christ, because of him, because of him. I settled that last year. I was praying for Anniversary Sunday, and I was praying for people to be saved and all these things. And just God broke my heart. He said, is this for you or is it for me? God broke my heart. I couldn't stop crying for 15, 20 minutes. I said, dear God, forgive me. It's for you. It's for you. And whatever you do, I am satisfied. My expectation is from you. I want to challenge you. When you pray, stop thinking about the result too much. Just think about God more. Think about what he wants. What he desires. Stop stealing the glory of God. Stop doing that. Stop having humanistic faith based on you. Have spiritual faith based on him. As we live in America, we are so material possessed. It's amazing. That's. That's how we run our lives. That's how we pray. That's how we live. And I'm just simply saying today we got to wake up a little bit. We got to wake up, wake up a little bit. Let me move on. I got to be finished. Let me, let me. Thirdly, faith will end. Faith will end. First Peter chapter one verse seven through nine. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, that might be found in praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, he love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You know, one day heaven will be real, amen. It will be visible. It's already real, but it will be visible. And you know, one day, Christ will be visible. We'll see his nail-scarred hand. And one day, our faith will end the sight. You and I only have one life to live, and we have to live by faith and not by sight. Because we see, what we see here today will be gone. There is no worth in living by sight. No, we got to live by faith. And I think many of us, our faith is just down here. But our faith needs to extend beyond this place. And I hope as you live by faith and as you sacrifice and, and endure in faith or by faith, I'm sorry. I hope some Christians recognize when you pass from this life that they'll say, hey, that Christian Here's the reality of it all. You cannot take everything with you, like I spoke about in the introduction. You cannot take anything with you in this life. Okay. And, and I believe that you can't in any way, whatever you leave here, okay, we, we'll be dispersed and we'll be gone. Okay. Somebody will live in your home Okay, that you don't know after you're gone from this life. And it will be no longer yours. Okay. And many Christians will be also be gone. And one only thing I think we could leave in this world and be remembered by is faith. It really is. It really is. Our Pastor, Pastor Choi. Um, I want to do this. Uh, I want to. I want to do this with sensitivity. Um, as you know, his wife passed away last year, and uh, they had a slideshow. I was in the overflow room. We had the funeral service here, and I saw the. I saw the miss, I saw the young Mrs. Choi. I saw all the pictures. I saw the family picture they had when they first came to America and, and the early early part of this church back down in the beach and also in Westminster, Cerritos. So I looked at all those pictures, I said to my heart, I, 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 my heart said, thank God, thank God that Mrs. Choi lived by faith. She followed her husband to be here to plant a church. When they had a good job, being a banker, traveling different countries, they gave up all that. And she followed her husband to plant a church. And she lived by faith. And what I remember on that funeral day is that she had faith. She had faith in God. That's all you could really leave here before you leave. And I I think about Abel, Hebrews 11, verse 4. He being dead, yet speaketh. I think about Aunt Joni, who was just sitting here just a couple years ago, year and a half ago. She received Christ as her personal Savior, Mrs. Price's aunt. I still like to call her Aunt Joni. I still have her on the attendance roster. So I still remember her. And she got baptized here. But just a little year later, she passed away. What I remember is that she trusted Christ as her personal Savior, her faith in Jesus. I don't know what she did, to be honest with you. You know, 80 years of her life or so. I don't know what she did. But I just know that she received Jesus. That's good. That's a good thing to remember. Faith. It always carries on. It always does. Your faith will end. So live by faith. Live by faith. And by the way, Aunt Joni came here Sunday morning, Sunday night. And many times Wednesday night. I appreciated her faith. I appreciated her faith at the age of 80 trying to be faithful to church, trying to live for God. I appreciated her faith. And I'll still remember I'll remember that here in my lifetime, and I'll remember that for all eternity.